Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Roadmap, the podcast covering best practices and trending topics in auto finance. I'm Bianca Chan, Associate Editor of Auto Finance News, and your host for this podcast. Auto Finance News, via our podcast series, provides members with an unparalleled opportunity to gain professional development and networking resources in this competitive industry. Our podcast today is sponsored by Blend, and I'd like to take a moment to share a few words. Get known for drama-free lending with Blend's digital lending platform. Visit blend.com slash drama-free to learn more today. Our goal here at The Roadmap is to welcome enlightened and thought-provoking guests from across the auto finance industry to talk about key issues and opportunities, and we have a great guest for such a talk. With us, we have Josh Wartman, Chief Executive Data Scientist of General Forensics, a data and analytics company that specializes in fraud trends in auto retail and finance. Thanks, Josh, for joining us today. How are you doing? Hi, Bianca. I'm well, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you. Same. Likewise, likewise. Thanks for joining us. Uh, before we jump into some questions, I'll let you briefly introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about your company. Well, you, you did a great job to start, um, but yeah, just to underscore that General Forensics uh, helps finance companies and government to manage dealerships, um, and we do that by characterizing good and bad dealership behavior, uh, including detecting and quantifying dealership orchestrated fraud. So we focus on dealerships when they're healthy and when they're bad. Perfect. Um, so, you know, starting off right right off the bat, let's get to the juiciest part. What is the most uh, surprising auto finance fraud t- statistic that you know offhand? So I, I'm going to struggle to give you a statistic and, and a shocker statistic. Um, I'd more like to talk about some surprising fraud-related facts. Sure. Um, mm-hmm, sure. Because I think a statistic can be sensational. But I think it's important to identify that in auto fraud, there are many potential victims. And the fraud doesn't have to be against you if you are a finance company. Mm-hmm. It can be against consumers where you're fine. It can be against the government and you appear fine. Mm-hmm. So um, there isn't a direct relationship between auto fraud um, and your profitability as a lender. Uh, loans that have fraud involved in them or originations that have fraud involved in them can look or be, be profitable at the onset. And so I think the bigger issue is what happens in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is your exposure as a finance company, um, as a partner or facilitator of a fraudulent transaction? And then another um, surprising statistic or fact, I'm going to just say a fact to deal with, is um, laws vary by state. Um, there's federal law, and then there's 50 unique state laws right. um, in, partic- in pertaining to um, treatment of consumers um, and underwriting processes. So, um, and then a final fact that's um, surprising is it appears there's a lot of fraud that's not being effectively regulated or prosecuted. Uh, so, you know, we can think that uh, we know fraud is happening and, uh, and or being attempted even if we stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the question is, but why, are not, why, are the jails, uh, why are the jails not filled up with, with fraudsters uh, <laughs> right. and, and, and financial criminals? So... So somewhere along the process, we're not effectively regulating and or prosecuting it. And I think those are all important things to keep in mind when having a discussion about uh, fraud. Totally, yeah. Lots lots of information, even in that first response there. But 
the thing that kind of piqued my interest was, um, you know, what are the different kinds of fraud that aren't being caught by the regulators or uh, law enforcement? Okay, um, not being caught, so not being caught or prosecuted by law enforcement. So I suppose regarding um, generally attempts to commit fraud, whether stopped or not, when there's uh, misrepresentation, lies, or deceit on a loan application, um, this happens daily, um, and we all see it, and we generally stop it successfully, but generally people aren't going to stand trial for those um, misdoings. I mean, it's, it's illegal. Right. So um, it can be falsifying financial information like income or down payment um, or employment. Uh, it can be falsifying uh, pricing. So these things are happening. We're stopping them, but no one's. But we're not uh, sufficiently. Probably we're probably not sufficiently um, creating a deterrent by putting people mm-hmm. who do this in uh, risk of being prosecuted. Right. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Uh, And so circling back to kind of the theme of of the podcast, which is, you know, where tech intersects fraud, um, you know, what is one of the most prevalent fraud trends you're seeing in today's auto finance market? Okay. So one of the most pervasive fraud trends I'm seeing, um, it's that at least, and this is startling to me, that at least 24% of non-prime loan applications have a reliable, detectable form of consumer fraud. Um, We're basing that on California law. Um, So I'm going to go and explain what I mean about 24% Mm -hmm. of uh, non-prime loan apps have a detectable form of consumer fraud. Um, So first I want to say that the law that I'm describing, the federal federal consumer law code seems to be skirting this issue. It's not clear that the federal law um, covers it. But California vehicle code um it's vehicle code 11713.1 it says it is a violation for the holder of a dealer license to sell a vehicle for over the advertised price regardless if the consumer has knowledge of that price meanwhile we see in the data uh, from loan applications and advertised pricing that about 24 percent of the time a subprime consumer goes into a uh a used car dealership and fill out a loan app, um, the loan application says the car was more than the advertised price. Oh, boy. Which no means, one's heard anything about Yeah. Which means the dealership would be the one who's kind of uh, smudging the rules a little bit there. Correct, yeah. So so, so here we go. In this case, it, 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 what we're seeing is an illegal act. We're uh, uh, observing or detecting an activity that's illegal. The dealership may not know it's illegal. Nonetheless, is. Is it fraud? Um, well, so they're not. So then the question is, is it fraud? It may not be fraud because they're not knowledgeable that it's, they weren't allowed to do that. It mm-hmm. is nonetheless illegal, um, and it's happening. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, initially, what what would you say lenders can do about this, or what should they do about this to kind of, um, you know, if not kind of like educate their dealer partners about this this law that's specific to California? I mean, how do you kind of manage that oversight as as one of your partners. Right. I, yeah, there, there's a lot involved there. I think the first is getting familiar with the um, state consumer law uh, per, per state on a per state basis. Uh, so in first, you, you have to familiarize yourself. And then, yes, you, you described it correctly. You have to educate the dealers on what's acceptable um, and permissible. 
And then you have to monitor them um, because educating seems to be working. In our uh, past experience, uh, our lenders who inform their dealers that this is not acceptable, we've seen a significant drop in that pattern of behavior of overpricing cars above the advertised price. Not eradicating it, however, but mm-hmm. improvement. So education is, is a strong um, deterrent immediately. But beyond that, generally monitoring it, and you can monitor it by having a policy of, of checking advertised prices against uh, the line one sales contract prices. Mm-hmm. And that 24% figure, um, like what, what years does that data date back to? That's going to be 2017-2018 data. Okay. And so you're, you're saying that we've seen some improvements since then, but uh, still there's work that needs to be done. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, uh, you know, as the industry becomes increasingly integrated with technology and, and the digital world, how has that impacted uh, lenders' susceptibility to fraud? In other words... Does taking the human element out of the lending process translate to increased vulnerability from like a from a fraud perspective? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, you know, there's an old adage um, which I think most of the audience should be familiar with. And if you want to stop 100 percent of fraud and losses, well, just stop lending. But <laughs> if we can't stop lending. We'd be out of business. So, um, so what what's the relationship of technology and fraud? Okay, well, we know that technology allows us to do more and and on average to do it well. So Mm -hmm. technology has enabled us to run bigger organizations, more powerful lending organizations. But it's really technology, it's just a risk management trade-off. It allows us to get the right answer on average and quicker than without technology, um, subject to us still being profitable. So with technology um, and bigger organizations, of course, more fraud is getting through. There's simply just more doors open for which fraud can um, attack us and or um, attempt to get through. Right. Um, but we can also detect more. Yeah. So um, so what we're doing is we're endeavoring just to keep the rates down, and I think that's what we're doing effectively with technology. On average, we're ahead. So I want to say to be technical, uh, and we should be technical here, mm-hmm. fraud detection is a determination of fact. Okay? Fraud detection is not a prediction. So I wouldn't say that tech, fraud technology is handling things that humans can't detect. It's just a faster and more efficient way to tell humans what they need to focus on and actually verify. Um, and to underscore that, like let's compare the concept of a credit score to fraud detection. So a credit score is a prediction, um, and it's predicting future payments by looking at current information. With fraud. Fraud detection, it's not, it's not a future behavior. Fraud, whether fraud occurred in data, it's a fact. Um, so fraud detection technology, we're detecting if it already happened. Um, and what that looks like, it's a pro- so the computer's generating a process of alerts, looking for inconsistencies and potentially lies and things that need to be verified. So to stop fraud, you still actually have to review uh, and verify something. Um, and that, in many ways, is a manual process. So we can't rely on a computer to replace humans for fraud detection. It just facilitates humans in knowing what to look for in an efficient manner. 
Right, which can be very helpful when you're processing like thousands of applications a day. You can't possibly uh, rely on one person or a team of people to manually be kind of combing through that information and verifying it, which is why it's important to have the technology do that. Absolutely. I'd like to take a short break from our program to share a few words from our podcast sponsor, Blend. When consumers engage with banks, they aren't in search of financial products. They're looking for the help needed to achieve their goals. That's where Blend's digital lending platform comes in. Since the beginning, Blend has been squarely focused on driving simplicity and transparency across a consumer's every interaction with a financial institution. They've partnered with over 170 lenders to make the mortgage process faster, easier, and more secure. Now, Blend is excited to officially announce the next milestone in delivering on their larger vision, an expansion into consumer banking. What does that mean? Blend plans to support all major retail banking products on a single intelligent platform, enabling consistent experiences across products and channels. Blend is building the foundation to provide exceptional customer experiences, create incredible efficiencies for your business, and enable you to develop deeper customer relationships. Visit blend.com drama-free to learn more today. And now back to the program. And so, I mean, kind of speaking about those open doors or, or that susceptibility, what's a vulnerable spot or maybe like a point of exposure introduced by technology that you see in today's auto finance process? Yeah, yeah definitely. So intuitively, we're using you know technology today. We're doing things remotely and via computer mm-hmm. with people we've never met. So, you know, intuitively, you know that if, you, if you're not sitting across the table from someone and you're not building a personal relationship with them and you can't look them in the eye and see their body language, I would say you risk your counterpart uh, being more comfortable either lying or possibly at least euphemistic, euphemistically fudging um, data or mm-hmm. information in order to increase their outcome or improve the outcome, you know, loan application. So... Um, technology basically lowers the emotional threshold to um, pushing the envelope on acceptable, reasonable information. Right. Right, which is when you get things like rise in synthetic identity fraud, right? Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, what's the best advice from an operational or a logistical perspective that you'd give to lenders fighting fraud? to kind of, let's say, like combat that vulnerable spot as to maybe you can't um, confirm or affirm your borrower's identity or certain parts of it as well um, via digital technology. Okay, so, so there, there, there was, that, there's a lot in that question. So how can we best, um, what's the best advice operationally or logistically for fighting fraud? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... So there's fighting consumer-driven fraud. There's fighting dealership-driven fraud. Um, so I don't focus on stopping consumer fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some great solutions out there uh, for detecting um, false information provided in a loan application. Um, but it's important just generally operationally to make sure your dealerships are financially solvent and healthy. 
um, one of the things we've detected, or not detected, one of the things I've learned from having reviewed um, federal prosecution of car dealerships is that a lot of car dealerships are getting in trouble for falsely reporting um, tax, uh, falsely reporting their revenues to the tax authority. So it may be important just to make sure your dealerships are honestly and accurately reporting their revenues to the tax authority. That's probably a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's probably not getting done frequently, but it, it does seem like a prudent thing to do. How would lenders approach doing that, would you would you suggest? Like just having I maybe suppose. like a candid conversation with, uh, with the finance manager or the person at the dealership that they would usually be talking to? Yeah. I suppose that, I suppose that would entail having a proper financial audit and weighing the, the numbers presented in the financial audit and/or um, copies of tax forms uh, weighed against what it looks like they're getting from you, or what they, uh, you know, against reality or what seems to be feasible reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I can't really speak, um, you know, effectively on how to do that, but I do imagine it, it, it's an involving an audit, a financial audit, and comparing what you see in that data to what you expect from that dealership. Totally. And at least that's a good place to start, right? A good place to kind of spotlight as to what lenders should be focusing on when when vetting these dealership partnerships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then, um, you know, like beyond the logistical or, or operational perspective, what tools or technology would you recommend lenders adopt to combat fraud? You know, like what are the top must have tools lenders should have in this regard? Um, well, uh, one of the biggest and easiest um, areas of exposure and easiest to detect, um, it should be really just to monitor your dealers to know when they're selling cars higher than the average price. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I argue that because it's, it's very feasible to do. Um, that's one of the things we work on. And um, especially since it's illegal in some states um, it, and the ability to detect it is readily available, it's a quick win and a quick way to tighten up your operations. Um so I, that, that's the one from a, from a monitoring a dealership perspective. As far mm-hmm. as consumer fraud detection, um, I can speak on, I mean, I'd like to say regarding fraud detection, it's important to know that um, basically fraud detection technologies, they're detecting, um, like to be technical, fraud detection is a determination of fact. It's, it's not a prediction. So um, regarding fraud detection technologies, um, compared to like a credit score. A credit score is making a prediction on future behavior, but a fraud technology is detecting facts. So you're going to want to look for tools that can verify income, that can verify employment where possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they see a discrepancy, you're going to have to still possibly manually review those to determine fraud. Um, but basically those tools are helping you find areas where there may be exposure to fraud or things that can't be verified. Right. It seems like it's more of like a a symbiotic relationship between technology and humans to really combat or thwart or detect fraud, um, especially as it relates to dealerships or or on consumer applications. Well, absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. In in fraud detection, you can't rely on technology entirely because you're, you're really using the technology to figure out what you need to look at, and then you need to actually look at it. Otherwise, you can't really determine it's fraud. You can just determine that the computer wasn't able to match up all the data. Right, right. All right. Uh, well, you know, that concludes our podcast today, and I uh, want to thank our listeners for, for joining Josh and myself on this episode. 
stay tuned to autofinancenews.net for more great podcasts.